In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Madam Speaker... Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? You get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sup Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. For C-SPAN, use the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Sammy, I said this to you this morning, but where did all of this news come from? It just honestly, like it's been rolling in since Friday. Um, I don't, I've been, cause I usually like, will write down like what'll be in the next morning announcements. Like I keep it all in a note and all weekend my note was growing. Yeah. So I actually had to like take some things out and be like, we're just not going to put this in. That's when, you know, it's big when like something happens on Friday and then by Monday it's like, well, there's more pressing matters. Right, exactly. But um, yeah, lots happening. Have you been following this Gabby Petito story? I have. It's so this. I mean, we're going this and that other one, the other family, the other very white family where they're all getting murdered. I think it's the I, oh the, I have the never, Murdochs, the Murdochs. Yeah, yeah. But um, oh, the, yeah. It's really, really devastating. Yeah, the Murdoch one is like fucked up. That's creepy. Like, that could be like a TV series. This is like an unfortunate, like yeah, I don't know. We don't know yet what happened, but um, apparently they just arre- the F- they just arrested his family. Oh my god, they did! I did not see that. I oh just saw like a Daily Mail thing about it, so like we're not official yet, but yeah. Apparently, there is a bonus episode on the Murdoch murders on Not Another Love True it. Crime podcast. So, if you are a listener and that is fascinating to you, you should listen. Listen to it, or if you just don't even know what we're talking about, like just ready to go down a rabbit hole. Get ready. Yeah. This story is just—it's so so sad, and all the footage that because you and I were talking about, like obviously the reason this has gotten a ton of attention to begin with is because she's a young. Um, a young white woman who meets every beauty standard and is now referred to as an influencer. And obviously that creates a lot of attention and where everybody to get this kind of attention, maybe what happened with her could happen more often where so many people recluded into what to look for. Um, But yeah, now it's just risen to a level of like a weird cultural phenomenon. It's so strange. I think there's a tendency for people to like, like open-ended stories. Like when there's a mystery, like, you know, he did it, but like your mind kind of enjoys going through all of the, um, like mental exercises of like, how could he have done it? Like, what could he could have actually happened? Like, why didn't he just like turn, you know, say she fell or something like, Mm -hmm. you know, why did he run? Why did the family like defend him? So I think like things where there's like, you just don't know what happened. It's not like a, did he do it or did he not do it? It's like the circumstances of what happened can like give you a lot to explore in your mind. I think that's when like these big, um, these things sort of blow up. 
Well, also because at the time they were like, and I don't know what, what it is now, but they said he's a person of interest, but we're not charged. He's not being like looked for for a crime. We're just trying to find her. She's just a missing person, which also left open that possibility. And now, I mean, I don't think they're going to find him alive. And that's just, alive. That's, yeah, I think he's going to. I think he's going to end his life because he doesn't want to take responsibility for anything that's happening. I feel like anything's going to have a very unsatisfying conclusion. I mean, I certainly hope the family gets answers, but I'm very concerned that the reason he left is because he refuses to explain what happened. We're on the wrong podcast now. (laughs) Wow. I never even like thought of that, that that was like going to be like a potential, that that could be a potential thing. Yeah. I think that's possible. That's what that's what I'm worried about because obviously, like I said, they deserve answers. But yeah, such a creepy, devastating thing. And then like the weird. I mean, have you seen all of the the like true crime TikToks about it? And then the and then the reaction to the true crime TikToks about it. And like it is weird to to gamify it. And you can definitely tell the people that are like earnestly want to provide support and the people that are like having the time of their life. Right. I got really into the Reddit. Um, thread. It's not as well moderated as let's say like the Real Housewives Reddit thread um, because people are like going at each other and it was just like mm. a little unpleasant. But um, so Marissa Cabus, who we've had on this podcast, yeah. actually tweeted something that I've been has been resonating with me. She was like, why do we call it true crime and not just crime? I know. And, and I think the reason is because like true crime means that you're consuming it for entertainment. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that that has even maybe like sort of degraded, like in our minds, the seriousness of crimes in some ways, because like Mm -hmm. we have now equated murders to entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, So just something I've been thinking about on the crime beat. Yeah. It's also just, I don't know. I feel uneasy whenever people do rush to like, let's all find him because often that is good. But like, did you see over the weekend that they, every headline was like, the guy has been spotted guy that looks like him has been spotted. And then the last paragraph would be like, Oh, this guy, the picture of this guy, he has tattoos all over his arm and Brian doesn't. It's like, well, then that guy is going to be targeted. Like, right. Exactly. And that's why it's like, I do wish that everything, everybody, um, sort of collaborated w- because women go missing all the time, especially women of color. But then you do get these like very potential avenues for for violations and potential right. dangerous situations. But like, yeah, lots lots to think about. I've been thinking a lot about this. Yeah, it's a it's a phenomenon. I mean, there the reason she her body was found was because some like yeah. YouTuber was like going over their own footage and like saw the van in the background of their footage and then they found her body like right near there. So mm-hmm. it is a good, you know, and the internet did solve it faster than law enforcement. So there's yeah. that. But um, there's it's also like, like been a lot of just hiking related disappearances over the summer. And like, yeah, like she was the third person to disappear. And then that entire family, the Garish family, like they still don't know what happened to them. I'm yeah, an indoor, don't go I'm an on indoor gal. <laughs> don't go stay inside. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And I mean, every, yeah, a lot of people tweeted this, but it's like, my fiance comes back without me. I meant to come back. <laughs> right. Right. I didn't just stay. Although yeah. I, with us, like if Avi doesn't come back, maybe he meant to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. He was like, yeah. I'm having the time of my life. You can yeah. go, Sam. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Bye. 
And a reminder, we can't necessarily cover every headline in this podcast. We try to put I pick topics that we can discuss, but Sammy, as you covered with every single morning with those news headlines, and now you have this really helpful feature where in, right in the description, you link out to more information in case you want to read more about it, get a few more details about whatever you just explained. Yeah. So if you're a reader, you could even just read the description. Truly. <laughs> click on That's the links. <laughs> They're pretty thorough. They're pretty thorough. Yeah. Uh, so today we're mostly going to talk about how Congress has a one week to get a lot of shit done. But first wanted to do some Monday morning water cooler chat. I feel like I need to name this segment because if it's always me and you on Mondays, then we definitely need yeah. to name this segment. <laughs> yeah, we could. Uh, hmm. Let us know. Somebody's going to have a great idea. Somebody's going to have a great idea. We're going to get into like all these international stories and the UN General Assembly ahead later in the week. I feel like it's going to be awkward walking into that when we pissed off France, our like main ally, killed 10 people, innocent people. Seems like it's going to be mad. Like they're they're mad. They're not cool with this submarine thing. Um, Didn't expect that, but. uh, <laughs> it's like not it's like guys like we have a thing. lot of problems like are you being that mad about this like do you mad. really want the submarine like well i guess it was like 66 billion dollars that they lost out on so i think they're just mad that we didn't we didn't clue them in it was not very tactful no the french are easily ir- very easily irritated and this was a big <laughs> What, what is it? $66 billion irritation? Yeah. Yeah. That's like not even that much. That's like fake money in the, the trust. realm. Yeah. Because they thought it's we were trust. friends. We have, yeah, right. we got to repair that relationship. Also to start, I'm glad we could talk about this while you're on the podcast. This has come back around, but the activist, which we discussed last week, will be retooled as a documentary instead of a five-part competition series as originally conceived. To remind you, the show originally forced activists to compete in missions, media stunts, digital campaigns, and events to catch the attention of potential funders now the show they have to do it from scratch like they have to reshoot it and they say they're going to showcase the tireless work of these activists and the impact that they have it's going to be like a one-time documentary and they're all going to get some cash at the end just imagine getting this call and being like you got to do this all again (laughs) i mean i the competition like who fucking thought of that And and was like this is a great idea and like also, why did the people agree? Like, it just. Two uh, of the show's horrible. judges, Julianne Huff and Priyanka Chopra, apologized to fans for the tone deafness. They were very like, we hear you. This was bad. I get it. This was really, really bad. Uh, no word from Usher. <laughs> did no one like, I'm so confused. Like, did no, like no one told them before. I still don't I know like, how this don't. got out of it. Right? I was like, don't. They just don't. I think they should have retooled it as a mockumentary. Like. <laughs> Like, like, not a mock, like, like, I think they should have retooled it as like, uh, you know, that tone that some shows have where like death to 2020, mm-hmm. where it's like making fun mm-hmm. of it. Like, I think yeah. they should have retooled it as like a satire of their idea of their original yeah, that, idea. I think that requires a degree of self-awareness that they clearly like never had to begin with. <laughs> Fine. Fair enough. They're like, okay, we'll go documentary on this. <laughs> Oh gosh, brutal. I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it now, but I would totally watch like a satire. I, this sounds like an totally. onion article. Like th- that's why it would be funny as a satire. Like I'm kind of pissed it's not. It would be very funny. It would be very funny as a satire.
Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So for our main topic today is what's going on in Congress. Today is September 20th. It's Monday. And Nancy Pelosi promised moderates a vote on this on their bipartisan infrastructure package, the BIF, by September 27th in one week. Progressives in the House are still warning that they won't support this until the bigger reconciliation package is voted on. But that's running into problems in the Senate that are slowing it down. Those problems are, as expected, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. There are really probably a handful of moderate Dems in the Senate who are happy to just let us think it's these two, but they are, they are the headline, the top of the call sheet for these oppositions. Both met with Joe Biden at the White House last week to talk this out. Word is that if the House delays its scheduled September 27th vote on the bipartisan infrastructure plan, or if that vote somehow fails, Kirsten Sinema is not going to back the reconciliation bill. This is sort of the like the position we've been in for a while, but now Biden is, is involved. Mm-hmm. Biden reportedly okay. pushed back against some of their proposals, Manchin Cinemas, to delay or delete the bill, saying that would just cause a loss in progressive support, which it also needs to pass. So interesting that Biden is like definitely standing up for the progressive side. Like he could be muscling progressives to come around to Manchin, but I, I think he expects that's going to happen anyway. Well, he probably wants both to get done. Like, 
ultimately we want both of these things to get done, right? So like, why don't we just like do them both? Like, it's really annoying. <laughs> like, this is getting really annoying. I also find it frustrating, these like fake deadlines that they put into things. It's like, what's your deadline for? So you can go on yet another vacation. Like, like, why does it have to be done this week? Well, it's like when they can't, when they can't actually sort things out, they just set new deadlines and that's right. like their solution. <laughs> right. But first but they also, take a vacation before the deadline, before right, they precisely. come back to work. It's like right. anytime there was a deadline, they need to go away. <laughs> like, Right. right. They after. literally are like, we're literally not going to think about this. You're going to get my out of office for three weeks. And then the day before the deadline, it's going to be manic. It'll be like, oh, we didn't have time. <laughs> Completely. Right. You didn't give yeah. us enough time. So while Mansion and Cinema are both concerned about the size of the bill, Cinema has a specific opposition to a proposal to lower the price of prescription drugs. A number of moderate House Democrats also oppose this. The plan would allow Medicare programs, which is the government, to negotiate lower costs for prescription drugs. This is instead of just letting pharmaceutical companies set their own prices without any competition. Drug companies stand to lose revenue here. That's kind of the point. It would save the government billions because Medicare pays for a lot of drugs. So how does this relate to the potential stalemate? Well, Manchin has asked for an overall strategic pause. I'm not sure he's specified exactly what he wants. It's so he can go on vacation again. Exactly. (laughs) Sail his houseboat out of the harbor. Cinema says she's opposed to this specific provision. According to Kaiser Health News, Kristen Center ranks as one of Congress's leading recipients of pharmaceutical industry donations. The farm industry's campaign contributions, it peaked in 2020 with $89 million and 61% of that money went to Democrats, not Republicans. It went to Democrats. Now let's talk about Joe Manchin's daughter, as we do every now and then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like pretty close to making a video about this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not sure how it relates to this current conversation, but it's, it's tied. I mean, he's not rejecting because it's the reason that he won't pass the bill because of the medic because of the um, lower prescription drug clause. But she's like, okay, so let's do the background. Joe Manchin's daughter, her name's Heather Bresch. She's the former CEO of Milan Pharmaceuticals. She worked directly with the CEO of Pfizer to keep prices of the company's EpiPen product artificially high. And EpiPen is like what you need if you're having a deadly allergic reaction. An anaphylactic shock, casually. (laughs) Casually, no problem. I mean, optional if you want to treat that. It's an elective elective treatment. It's like an essential oil, basically. Yeah. (laughs) So I was reading a a bit about Myelin today because I I do not know much about pharmaceutical companies. And apparently, I mean, they make a lot of generics. So they were originally like seen really favorably. But over the years, like a lot of companies were just incentivized to fuck everybody else over to... Uh, increase their own profits. It's that like constant drive for growth that again Precise. fucks everyone up. Mm-hmm. Basically, Joe Manson's daughter convinced Pfizer to divest from one of the EpiPens like main competitors. So that created a monopoly and drove up the price hundreds of dollars. But she did not stop there. She then led a charge to force people to buy EpiPens in packs of two. Therefore, therefore spending a lot more money. There was no like medically necessary reason to do this. The Intercept as recently as a couple days ago, because I think there's still like activity around what happened here has a really great report on it. And also her mom and Joe Manchin's wife, I don't know if it's still his wife, maybe his wife at the time. I didn't, I forgot to look that up. She also lobbied to have EpiPens in all schools, which I don't know. 
on the surface, that does seem necessary, but like when you've created a monopoly and there's no cheaper option and then you're, and then you're forcing schools to have it problematic. Right. It's like the timing is suspicious. Right. Just everybody was involved in making money for Mylan Farmers. The whole, it was a family effort to make money for Mylan Pharmaceuticals off of EpiPens and the artificially high price that his daughter had created. So when she ultimately stepped down, it was with a $40 million exit package. That's on top of her compensation, which... Which was also in the millions, right? It went, it, but it increased from like $2 million to $18 million a year. Because of the EpiPen. Because of the EpiPen, yeah. Wild. Another detail in this intercept story was just that um, the University of West Virginia forged a business degree for her. <laughs> and like it was a whole yeah. scandal and multiple people stepped down. Well, here's the thing. Like, how would she even be able to be like a career CEO of a random pharmaceutical company? It's not like she like came up through the ranks at Milan. Like, right. you know, how would she become a CEO if she didn't have a business degree? Why would they hire her as a CEO? Mm-hmm. And what's crazy about this part is that after that like came out, the sc- people at the school got in trouble, but yep. she got to stay CEO. Totally. It was just like a funny, a funny like oopsies. And it made like no real, real dent on, on mansion. So this is, as we said at the beginning, it is specifically Kirsten Cinema saying that she does not want to promote this. Like, I'm not sure mansion has ever really been, there's ever been like any technical ethical issues here, but like, it's not a good look. It's not a great look. There's another reason that Joe Manchin might want to take a quote strategic pause, and that's his connections to the fossil fuel industry. So West Virginia, where he's a senator, is second in coal and seventh in natural gas production in the U.S. This cycle, Manchin has received more campaign donations from the oil, coal, and gas industries than any other senator, according to Open Secrets. And this is what AOC was talking about a couple of weeks ago when he told her, like, you don't know what you're talking about, young lady. I take meetings with everybody. Well, he takes uh, more meetings, it would seem, with these uh, fossil fuel companies. He has made millions personally off a coal brokerage firm that he founded and then passed on to his son. And he still makes hundreds of thousands of passive income off of that every single year. But he is one of these people with these packages that's like, oh, maybe you should be looking for a job or have a job uh, to make sure that you're getting this unemployment or this benefit, which is just fucking gross because you are making half a million in passive income by not lifting a finger. And then I mean, he... His greed has just like clearly, I mean, it's it's evident here that like he has just become one of those people who's like greedier and greedier. Like you gotta get the bigger houseboat. Mm-hmm. Think about right. the think about the cost of living in West Virginia. Think about the fucking huge house you could get for like nine hundred thousand dollars. And this is this is where I always land, like, which is like, yeah. how much fucking money do you need? How much money do you need? What do you want all this money for? To pass it on to your like for, for your to your descendants who are going to live, who are going to fucking evaporate off the earth if you don't fix the climate. You are, it yeah. comes down to you, Senator Manchin. Like, it literally can. Has anybody said that to him? Like, you could, what you decide to, because he is the chair of the Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources. So he'll be part of writing this budget seems and wrong. deciding. <laughs> what? Seems that seems wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean... Just to go into the question, how much money do you need? I saw an interesting yeah. proposal on Twitter that was like, once someone makes $100 million, they should just get a trophy that says, like, I won capitalism. And, like, you have it. Like, Hilarious. you have $100 million yeah. and, like, 
you'll be okay. And I think that's like kind of a good idea. I actually, in the past week, will say that because um, our episode about like AOC's dress, like none of us were like, loved it. She nailed it. We were all sort of like, okay, but I have, there has been a lot of conversation about what taxing the rich actually means and a lot more clear, a lot more discussion about, okay, we don't, we don't mean people like Biden has come out and say, we're not going to tax anybody over $400,000, but there are some progressives that are like, sure, we would. So finally, you're getting to see what that discussion actually looks like in ways that, you know, you hadn't before. I think that like, again, like I think that the issue is about taxing income versus taxing wealth. And that is like, it doesn't even seem like there is a real, well, like other than Elizabeth Warren and her wealth tax, like it doesn't seem like there is a real conversation about taxing wealth. But like, if you're going to tax Jeff Bezos' income, he's in one of the lower tax brackets. Like there's no Mm -hmm. point in taxing the income of these people because they could literally make their salary $1 and they could fucking receive benefits. Like they don't need, they don't, it's like the people, any, first of all, anyone who depends on their income to make money is not wealthy. Like it's, it's just like, sort of like, that's the reality. Like if you're, if you're waiting for your paycheck to pay for your life and accumulate money that way, like that is no one in that category is actually that wealthy. Even if your salary quote is, is $5 million. I mean, $5 million is a fuck ton of money, but like you are, if that's the case you're in, you're nowhere near these people. Like you're Mm -hmm. nowhere near the, like the Bezos people. I actually saw, again, things, media I've consumed this weekend. Like <laughs> this guy was showing like a chart, like a, on graph paper of like, okay, like the bottom is like the the poverty level. Yeah. Okay. And then there's like the whole axis. And at the top of the axis is Jeff Bezos, like with his like hundreds of billions of dollars. And he shows how like, if you have like a million dollars, you're still like right at the bottom. Like you're still are right at the bottom. So it's like the government is missing out on all this opportunity to tax the true wealth of the nation rather than like taxing people who are like doing well, but like they're not like if they died today, like their kid could not probably live off that. Right. Probably. So yeah, it's a complicated conversation and it does feel like, it should have said the dress should have said tax the wealthy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or, or honestly, like my issue with the dress is that it was just fucking ugly. And like it looks like a bloody tampon, frankly. I'm I'm now I feel that we're a week away. I can say it. It looks like a bloody tampon. If if you know what I think could have even been better? If they had Joke. written tax the tax the rich or tax the what whatever, some yeah. other fucking words, like in like a nice font, like beautiful embroidery that wasn't like so obvious and like yeah. didn't look like a murder scene. I actually feel like my opinion on it could have changed. Just interesting. <laughs> I think so the thing is, I think that AOC means tax the rich. Like, I think that she, she might, but I don't think that that is like actually an economic, I don't like right. think that I just, I just in defense of the, of the, of the text yeah. on the dress. I think that's what she means. Like I was reading that like AOC pays her like lowest paid people, the highest of, I think, most people in Congress, but she also pays her highest paid people a lot less. So like she, that's, I feel like she practices what she preaches. She's like, you're rich. If you're making $400,000, like you don't. She's not paying some areas 400,000 though. No, 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 no. I just mean, I just mean like she means tax the rich. She doesn't just mean tax right. the wealthy. If it were up to her, 
I think people that are making $400,000 probably would be taxed. But more. people who make $400,000 are taxed at a really high tax that's rate. That's true. They're that's taxed true. at the highest tax rate. Like, that's not like not happening. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like $400,000 in some areas of the country is really a lot. And in some areas, it's really not a lot. Mm-hmm. Living in Manhattan, if you make $400,000 living in Manhattan, like, it's just, you're living nicely. You're living comfortably. Like you can pay for your needs, but like, you're not living the life that like, I think I would think that progressives want to go after to sort of help flatten out the wealth. Like in that case, you're basically flattening out the wealth of like the poorest people. Like, like in, in the category, like having $400,000 or making $400,000 a year is still considered like the quote unquote poorest people like the like people who have who make millions a year are the real rich or wealthy like right. i just don't think that like that's going to actually get anywhere no cuz as you said if you're just focusing on income taxes then you know as you said if jeff bezos's income is $1 and you know a lawyer's like income is it's $400,000 then right Right. Like, I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos' income is $80,000. Like, I'm pretty that's sure that's I'm actually- like why Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax is not is not part of this. I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of reasons why, like, her wealth tax is not taken seriously. And I think it's because people think they're going to be wealthy. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Because a lot of people who claim to be wealthy, who then, like, get attention that way, are not actually wealthy. No, I don't think a lot of people really understand- like the true levels of wealth. Like there's this perception of like, like you're poor, quote unquote, if you like are going paycheck to paycheck or like a little more or a little less. And like, I think people Mm -hmm. think like poor is like very different than what it actually like is. Mm -hmm. Like, and people think that wealth is like, oh, if you can afford like a nice thing, you can wear like afford a, a bag. Like, that person could be in debt or they could be like just not spending all their money. And I think yeah. that there's like just a lot of confusion about like how wealthy these wealthy people really are. Like they're so much wealthier than any of us can can, can like conceive. And yet people I think want to like eat their own, you know? Right. And the like the way that we conceive of just like casually and conversationally the words rich poor, wealthy is not, does not actually correlate to what they technically mean in like economic terms. So when we're discussing the policy, it gets very challenging. Yes. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Like rich and poor are just words. They don't Mm -hmm. actually describe a financial situation. Like, cause there's a million different degrees of financial situation. Like my dress would have said tax wealth. (laughs) Like yeah, tax wealth. Mine too. Like I love the hundred million dollar idea. <laughs> like, love it. You won capitalism. Like, yeah. And and again, like, there's also this whole idea of like um, another way of like managing inequality is like in a company, a CEO shouldn't be paid more than like a certain amount of times more than like the lowest right. paid employee, which I think is also an interesting policy. But again, it doesn't really do much about wealth, though. I think it would increase the standard of living for like the average worker, you know? Yes, absolutely. But I think, I think it just like seems so easy for people. Oh, tax the rich. Like you might be rich. Have you checked? Like they might think you're rich. (laughs) Well, I think that was, that was the problem. Yeah. 
So returning to fossil fuels, <laughs> from which Joe Manchin makes a lot of passive income on. So obviously there have been urgent calls from scientists that like we have to pivot away from coal, coal gas, and oil now, 100% emergency. Like now we have to make it happen. <laughs> Yesterday. Yeah, Manchin has not publicly supported the elimination of fossil fuels, but parts of this reconciliation bill, as Biden has it, would incentivize utilities to stop burning fossil fuels and switch to wind, solar, or nuclear energy, and then find the ones that don't. Pretty, pretty classic model. But the fines are very important. Like the carrot, we have learned just having a carrot doesn't really work. You need a stick. It's unclear what Manchin will do here, but he may just make these fines and incentives smaller. But as I said, you need a, a serious stick. He definitely like Joe Manchin does believe in climate change and he knows that things need to switch over. He just doesn't seem to be in as huge a hurry about it. He wants it to be sustainable for the utilities and and the businesses because he probably has a personal interest in that. And he has constituents who are interested in this. But this is where it's like this is not the place to cut corners like and it's it's an emergency. And as I've been reading over this, this fight that we're going to see this week, it's like it does seem like progressives are pretty, you know, like 60 of them have signed this letter. Like we're still we're not going to vote for the bill unless the, the bipartisan infrastructure framework, unless this bill is basically done at the same time. And I'm kind of like, come on, guys. But like, why? But it's like, how am I going to tell progressives they're wrong when like they're they're right? <laughs> like we we can't cut quarters here. These are the things that we need. Right. now urgently right well i yeah i do think they're right i mean here's the thing there's so many shades of right and wrong it's just like yeah you could make an argument for any for either but like i just don't know why everyone's so slow like you know it's right everyone's just moving very slowly as if well, like right. you could not just have your house flood like tomorrow and it's over like i just i don't there is just this for me, this whole thing is frustrating and frankly boring to cover because there is such little action and there is so little like it doesn't even feel like anyone's like that excited to take action. Climate change. Climate change. Yeah. Medicare. And literally anything. Yeah. Like it just doesn't feel like anything with infrastructure. Anyone is is urgently trying to fix anything. Yeah. Except maybe AOC, but you know. The dress. I, I also don't really understand what the huge rush is. I guess they just want this done before the end of the year. And now they have these self-imposed deadlines. He's like, if we took us, I, I mean, people are saying, okay, it took you, it took us five months to come up with this bipartisan infrastructure framework. Why are we rushing to spend $3.5 trillion? Well, it shouldn't, shouldn't have taken you five months. We're rushing yeah. now because that shit took you five months for no reason. As Elise said last week, you, you agreed to move some money around. So I don't need to hear like, it's, but we have this beautiful package that we put so much effort into. It's like, you should have been sorting that shit out the whole time. It's also like not a rush. I could argue, I would argue that this is, um, that you, the government should always be rushing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like the government should not just be like, should not be moving at a slower pace than Betch's media. Like <laughs> the government needs to pivot right? more. Like the government has pivoted fewer times in the past 10 years than we have. <laughs> Completely. They are not responsive to the new <laughs> incentive reactive. at all. No, <laughs> maybe if Facebook was fucking up their video views. <laughs> no, they fast. see an algorithm change and they're like, no, thank you. We're just going to take the same approach. <laughs> yeah. Like they like I don't even think it's like a question of like, oh, why are they in a rush now? It's like, why haven't they been in a rush ever? Completely. <laughs> right. Like, why isn't it just part of your metabolism? It's just like, 
what's the rush? What do you, what, what, what do you mean? What's the rush? Yeah. You should have been rushing the entire time. I feel like there's so many problems that need to be solved and like, no one's doing them. Like everyone's just sort of like, Oh, after the three week summer, like, okay. Yeah, completely. I asked Elise to write like a um, real housewives catchphrases for some of these senators for like this season, aka this legislative That's session. Hilarious. So uh, I'm excited about those. Hopefully we'll post them. Also, like, why are there legislative sessions? Like, you're not college students. You don't need semesters. The rest of us work all year round, minus maybe the last week in August and the last week of December. Because they have this time where they, like, work, but they just, like, aren't bothered. Like, I would love if half of my time was spent where, no, I didn't have to go to meetings. That would be excellent. That's like half their work period. They call Imagine that three like, months, no meetings. Do whatever I would we want. Get, oh my God. And they still can't get anything done. No, yeah. fucking effective we would be if we could have three months without meetings. Oh my it's, God. It's it's embarrassing the, the standards that like our government is, our government and really like anyone in like serious power, government and corporations, like- it is embarrassing the amount of or just the total lack of like accountability, expectations, contributions that they're expected to make, both money and like environmental. And yeah, the whole thing is gravely disappointing. Yeah. Wake me up when September ends, <laughs> in the words of Green Day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We will be back tomorrow. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.